Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. What's up, everybody? Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska, probably at an undisclosed, undisclosed location, somewhere safe in the wilderness. Happy New Year. It's still January. We've got a great show for you today. But before we get started, if you like this podcast, and if you love freedom, if you believe in the Constitution like we do, then please give us a five-star review. And if you have the time, we'd really appreciate a comment. We want to hear from you. Your feedback makes us better. And if you can, please hit the donate button at mustreadalaska.com because we're reader-driven and listener-driven, and we're a conservative news pro project that's just here for you, Alaska. It's about Alaskans, and we're keeping the mainstream media on their toes. I'm Suzanne Downing, and today I am so fortunate to be joined by Scott Levesque. He is our producer, and he's also the host of our Wednesday podcast. He's subbing in for John Quick this week because John's got other things he's got to do, and I am thrilled to be able to share the studio with you. Scott, how are you doing today? Fantastic. It is sloshy, wet, and crazy here in Anchorage, but uh, it's, a, it's a great day. I'm very excited to be here with you. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot going on, and it's you know crazy, crazy weather. It's 39 degrees in Fairbanks, and it's it's 38 in Anchorage, and it's just kind of weird for for January to have this sort of willowall weather move through. But we've seen it before, and don't forget on Friday, if the clouds part, then that up in Barrow, our most northern community, also known as Tiavik, they will see sunlight for the first time since November, and it's going to be about at 1:16 p.m. and we're you know, we're always pretty excited to cheer them on and, and sunlight coming back to the far north is always kind of nice because everybody likes sunlight. Hey, today we're going to talk about uh, a few things. We're going to talk about the new Must Read Alaska legislative newsletter called Club MRAC. And we're going to talk about the first day of the Alaska legislature and everything that's going on in Juneau. Um, I want to talk with you, Scott, about the inauguration on Wednesday in D.C. and sort of the role of the National Guard and how that's sort of shaping up and what we can look forward to there. Um, we'll also be talking about the Anchorage Assembly meeting, and I know you've been paying attention to that, uh, some things that the Anchorage Health Department announced last week that I think are uh, of interest to our listeners. And so, you know, we, we're going to um, take a, a number of different topics today, but first of all, Let's talk about the the Club MRAC newsletter. I Let's am so excited about it. We've been mm. promising people for a couple months here that that when the legislature started, we would launch this. It's sort of a members only. You just sign up for it and you can get this newsletter every morning in your inbox. What's really great about it is it's going to be just very straightforward. If you want news without a lot of snark and without a lot of partisan stuff, this is going to be the newsletter for you. Now, Remember, Must Read Alaska, at it's Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, is going to continue to roll out the door. And we do get a little chippy there sometimes, right? We're not always, <laughs> well, you know, we are who we are. We're yeah. not going to pretend we're not conservative when we are. But the Monday, but the Club MRAC newsletter is, uh, 
just think of it this way. Lobbyists oftentimes provide newsletters for their clients. And normal people in Alaska, they don't see these. It's, it's, it's something you pay for and the lobbyists will send you uh, a real inside detailed information about what's going on in the Capitol and the bills that are moving up of interest to you. You know, the rest of us don't have a lobbyist there. We have the mainstream media and that is, you know, we know purely inadequate. So what about the rest of us and business leaders who don't happen to have lobbyists and what, how do they get their news? Well, this is the, the newsletter for you. It's going to be a quick, easy read. You can read it on your phone or just scroll on through and you'll see what's on the, what happened yesterday, summarized sort of a what's on the front burner, what's on the back burner, what's in the refrigerator and kind of where's the stove on fire, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. So I I love this. I got to tell you, uh, I was a must read Alaska reader before I ever was uh, a part of this at all. So I know that Suzanne, you're going to be coming with a lot of stuff. I love the newsletter I get on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'm I, I, this is going to be great as well. And it's like you said, it's for the common Alaskan who doesn't have a lobbyist. It's for the Alaskan who's Again, we're in times now where people are more interested in politics and legislative affairs more than ever. So this is coming at a great time. Yeah, yeah. And so pretty, pretty excited. Really looking forward to feedback on it. You'll see some links in that newsletter in the Club MRAC newsletter that allow you to send us feedback and just help us improve. Like you've all helped us improve for all these years. We've been putting out a Must Read Alaska newsletter of Let's be real. I've been putting out a must read Alaska. I'm not gonna, the, it's, I'm not gonna say we, it's been me for mm -hmm. the past five and three quarters years. It'll be that we'll, we'll finish our, our fifth year in April, start our sixth year. And, uh, and so this is pretty neat because I, I know that we need to get more legislative news out, but I also know it needs to be in its own place. And that the normal newsletter sort of needs to be able to also focus on national and local things and also um, sort of the social, just what the social mood is. It, some of our stories aren't political. They're about kind of just social conditions. And we like that about it as well. So uh, you'll get insight into the bills that are moving, the budget, the PFD, and a lot more. Anyway, yeah, uh, mean, go ahead. And, and there's a couple of things that I think are really important for the people to know. Number one. You're putting all this work in, and I know there's going to be a ton of content in there, which is going to be awesome, but it's free. And I think people need to know that all they have to do is sign up for the newsletter, and they're going to get all of this content, uh, insider information, stuff that's coming up, stuff that's being put to the side. I mean, everything, you know, Suzanne is plugged in, so it's going to be free. The beautiful part for a lot of people like me who don't have a time, it's bulleted. Love that it's bulleted. You're giving me the straight facts. I think for a lot of people, including business people or people just have a busy life, don't have time to sit and read just a ton of content. Uh, they just want what's going on so they can read it. And if they want more, they can find out more. The other thing, which I know people have a hard time believing, but it's going to be, uh, like you said before, it's going to be a partisan. There's not going to be any kind of slant. It's just the straight facts, which I think are just what people want nowadays. I think at this point, we're kind of tired of all the bends. We just want to know the facts right now, which at the end of the day, just adds value. And I think one of the best things about Cleb, MRAK or MRAC is that it's it's value added. If you're gonna sign up for this newsletter, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna help you economize your time to find out all these different bills and give you one spot to know what's going on in the legislator. And again, I can't stress this enough, it's free. And yeah, you don't get this kind of content free a lot of times. So 
lots of work, but Suzanne, you have done the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, must read Alaska newsletter. And this one is not going to be any different in terms of quality and content for sure. Well, yeah, it'll be, it'll be just, just a, a, a very focused in on, um, on the legislature and we're not gonna worry about what's going on in, in Petersburg or, um, you know, Kotzebue or something. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. Well, the other thing I, I think is really interested is obviously this newsletter is coming out, but it's coming out because tomorrow is the very first day of the legislator. And I just, obviously you're plugged in the newsletter's coming out tomorrow. It's going to be incredible. What are some of the things you're seeing and, and what's going to happen? Like what, can you give us a little bit of a preview tomorrow of what to expect just from your point of view? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm glad you asked. It's going to be in the newsletter, of course, on Club MRAC. But you know, so today the Legislative Budget and Audit Committee met and they, they did some various things. Um, it's just a kind of a cleanup, was a cleanup meeting. And a couple of people that are that were in that meeting, it was interesting to see Kathy Giesel was in the meeting, Senate President Kathy Giesel. She flew down to Juneau for that meeting. And then tomorrow, of course, Roger Holland takes her place and she will you know, she'll probably be flying back to uh, to Juno, and but she did come down for the last LBNA meeting, and it was kind of interesting because um, they they were looking at. I was kind of cracking up about this. They're looking at doing a fifty thousand dollar contract to do to do some polling for the Alaska Legislature to find out quote how the Alaska public sees the legislature, <laughs> and um, so you know they discussed it back and forth, and I think ultimately they decided that they actually didn't really need that. Uh, to spend the $50,000. And, and Kathy Giesel, who is the Senate president, said, listen, if you if you kind of take, it's only $50,000, but if you take care of the pennies, the, the dollars take care of themselves. And uh, I actually don't think they need to spend $50,000 to find out how people think about them. But uh, it's, it, you know, it's always good to get more information, but it, it was voted down five to four. So that was interesting. And then tomorrow, uh, they will all be sworn in. The Lieutenant Governor swears them in and they take their oath and get their pictures made with their staff. And I'm sure they'll all have masks on. It'll be pretty historic and hysterical at the same time. Mm. But then um, they'll have their, their corsages and so forth. But uh, there's, some, so there's some little pomp and circumstance around that. It's very, uh, you know, it's very ceremonial, but it's also, it's also such an honor to be working in the legislature that all the legislators take it very seriously. And the staff does too. I mean, it feels, very important when you're being sworn in and, and that you're, you have a duty to Alaska to do your best. So there's that moment when you're being sworn in when it is kind of pure, there's just, uh, just pure goodness about it. But then after that, of course, there are no committees to, to sit down and meet because they don't have committees because they haven't organized. You've got a Senate that has 13 Republicans and seven Democrats. And it is just a cry and shame. What is, they are such a sad lot. Um, 13 Republicans cannot seem to organize a majority and they are getting ready to hand it over to the Democrats to control. Unbelievable. Like they always do in these times. Mm. People just uh, are just dumbfounded how you can elect 13 Republicans and they can't organize. It's because you have these egos involved down there and some of them have made a big, big mess of it. So they've destroyed the trust with their colleagues. And what I'd like to, people to know is that, you know, we send them down there to not necessarily be purists. Well, not, not only that, no, I agree with you. Uh, the thing for me is it's just terribly disappointing is that 
Uh, the public spoke. I know there was a lot of conversation about particular members uh, within the Republican Party. Um, again, whether they were too centrist or too uh, extreme right or, or whatever it was. And so, the listen, the public spoke. Alaskans spoke at the ballot box. And now what we're stuck with is we've got these individuals who are not willing to come together for the better part of the collective there to push and to move forward uh, an agenda. Uh, this is why we elected these individuals. And for a common Alaskan, it, it's really confusing and dumbfounding why a group of individuals who, will, who we all thought shared a common ideology politically have a problem getting mm -hmm. together and making this work. And so now it just looks like the party is fragmented and can't get together. Meanwhile, here's the bigger kick. Meanwhile, you have Democrats who are willing to go lockstep with one another and almost sacrifice their own agenda to work forward with the agenda of their political party and ideology. And it's just really a sad state of affairs because I believe Alaskans really do have sort of a libertarian, Republican, if not conservative uh, streak in them where they want uh, autonomy, they want freedom, they want liberty, they want all of those things. And they see the ramifications of what happens when they're not allowed to have those freedoms. And yet we can't get the party who says they are behind that together to move their political agenda forward. It's it's super frustrating. And I got to tell you, when people ask me about this, they know that I work with you, Suzanne. They ask me about this all the time. What in the world is going on down there? Why can't this party get together? And, and it's a hard question to answer outside of what you just said, egos. It's egos. Yeah. It's I want this. I want that. And again, the thing that's just always going to hinder us from actually moving things forward is that the other side of the aisle is willing to put all of their stuff aside so that they can move forward as one. And and it's scary to think of what's going to happen if we can't get our stuff together. Yeah. And, and you, you've nailed it. Exactly right. We, ha we have a, a, a real skill on our side of uh, snatching defeat out of the jaws of victory. But basically, if if we don't see some people on our side just drop the games and drop the just what they, they think they have to have, they don't have to have, what they need to do is work together and all of these demands of each other on the same team. It's that circular firing squad. And it's why uh, Republicans aren't always the the party that really operates that effectively because we're a, we have so many individualists and we got people with really strong opinions. Whereas Democrats have a collective hive mind and they just work together for the greater goal. So be interesting to see. We do know that a lot of talks have taken place. I know that the Senate Republicans met up at Peter Machicki's house. He's uh, one of the senators and he's mm -hmm. sort of the most likely one to become Senate president. And he could become Senate president if a, a couple of people would come along and, and just drop the games. But what's happening is that the gamesmanship is driving others into the arms of the Democrats and to, to put together sort of a coalition government. And uh, kind of sad to watch, but we'll see yeah. if they can sort of pull it together. They have very little time left before Alaskans are going to be pretty discouraged with them. I'll well, uh, here's the case. The, the bottom line is this is you, you nailed it as well. When they're seeing a fracture and a schism within their own party, they're gonna to go to the party where they think they can at least get something done for their constituents. Yeah. And when you're talking about uh, representing your constituents, I, I don't know the minds of some of these individuals that are uh, unwilling to come together and bond together, but I can tell you this, your constituents elected you because of an ideology. 
and, and particularly one that has a conservative Republican bent to it, for sure. What you're doing by not actually aligning is you're not doing the good for you and what you can get done or your constituents at all. It's really mm -hmm. a double whammy. So the more this continues and the more we we don't realize that this is only hurting uh, the communities that elect these officials, the longer it's going to take. And unfortunately, there's going to be another round of this whole let's purge those who are not, you know, for us, the people. And, and, and it's a cyclical thing. And, and I, it's not good for the party. It's good to have stability. It's good to have people that are, are working for their communities and their constituents, particularly in the Republican Party and the conservative side of things. So I, I'm just imploring these individuals, listen, look at the bigger picture here. Stop looking at, you know, two, three months out and look at five, six years out and see what uh, coming together can do for, for this state moving forward. Cause we got a lot of, we got a lot of Hills to climb now and uh, we should not be dying on this Hill. This is a Hill that it looks like they could die on over in the house. There's a 2020 split. That's because uh, the representative Louise Stutes of Kodiak uh, always caucuses with the, the Democrats. She is a Republican, elected as a Republican, but her constituency obviously accepts her and the, her behavior in, in caucusing with Democrats. That's just where right. she makes her choice. But they, but so that leaves us with 2020 split, which means it's very hard to organize a majority. There've been a lot of talks going on over the weekend. Uh, they were meeting and they were meeting in the uh, Farron Camp Betrovich rooms, which are adjoined. And they were just trying to, the Republicans were trying to meet and come up with an organization where perhaps they could bring in some of the rural uh, legislators. But you can't bring in rural legislators and then have them sit down in front of the firing squad and ask them for some sort of uh, political uh, loyalty test. You, you, if you bring in, you don't have that kind of power over them. You've got to bring them in with some broad strokes to say, this is what we just generally agree on. And you, you just can't make demands of your rural legislators. They are in a very a powerful position and so Suzanne, uh, can i ask you a question here yeah you can know the inside is it a lack of vision is there a lack of vision within within that group mm, that's a yeah no i think we got 20 different visions but we, send problem, them, yeah. but we send them down there to be negotiators not to be grandstanders we said right. we don't you know we don't send them down there to say you've got to get all of the all of the toys. You must bring all the toys home. It was a lot easier back when the state had more money, and and you could sort of say, "Listen, I'll trade you that roundabout for a, a light light post in my district." And they were they had more things to trade with. There's nothing to trade with now, and we're also seeing that we we are we've lost a couple of of Republican seats, and so a 2020 split is, boy, that is a real tough one. So the House is in a mess. The uh, Senate is in a mess, and uh, I'm just saying, we'll see what happens on Wednesday when they both have to gavel in and and how they they operate. Probably gavel in to take care of a couple items of business and gavel right out and continue to try to organize. But you remember two years ago, the House didn't organize for a couple of weeks, and they were and then finally they did organize, and the Democrats kind of took control with about seven Republicans that went over to join their side. Now, all of those Republicans are pretty much gone now, except for Steve Thompson. I think he's still there and, and, and one other. Um, Bart Lebon, they managed to, to be reelected, but all the rest who went over to the Democrat side have been unelected, except for Gary Knopp, who died. And so now we're, we're gonna see the same thing, but just the House and the Senate not organized it might be a, a couple of weeks. So hold on tight.
But I want to talk a little bit about our um, what comes up Wednesday in addition to the uh, opening of the House and Senate. We're going to have a new president on Wednesday. Mm. I know a lot of listeners are depressed about this. And I know people in Alaska who are you know, 53% of the voters voted for Donald Trump. And I would say 80 to 90% of them are furious, hopping mad about what they feel has been basically a bloodless coup. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I'm hearing from people in the Valley. I'm hearing from people in Southeast. The Republicans are mad at the, they're mad at moderate Republicans who didn't stand up, but they don't feel they stood up enough to support this president from the beginning. They're really mad at Lisa Murkowski. And some of that's uh, drifting over to, to Senator Dan Sullivan too. They're, they're mad at him for not taking a, a stand to defend um, the president. And they're mad at Don Young for also voting to uh, for this election for the electoral college to be certified. And I've heard from people in the Matsu and Scott. Let me tell you, um, they're just discouraged. I'm just saying tomorrow, let's all just wear black because mm. there's a there's a reason to mourn. Our our country has certainly taken a turn that it can't end well this way. Where they're going to see some things like minimum wage going up, which is going to drive people out of the marketplace. You you raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and there will be no jobs for high school students. And there will everybody who's working will get fewer hours, and there will be fewer jobs, and they'll move things to touch screens instead of humans. There are so many consequences to mucking around like this. So looking at that, um, but I, I know you saw the story that I ran on Sunday about the National Guard. I had a couple stories. Yeah. And yeah, one, of them, one of them was the National Guard from, they've always gone to DC. This is not that big of a deal. There looks like there will be three times as many as usual, however, <laughs> to go to DC this time mm. to, to, to guard this new, uh, the new president, incoming president and vice president. Yeah, I mean, so your story was actually pretty powerful and, and, and brings up a lot of really interesting questions. So for those of you who have not yet had a chance to read it, I, I highly recommend going on mustreadalaska.com and checking it out. It's it's under the title, and I think it's actually the header right now. It's National Guard Use Political Purity Test on Guardsmen during uh, prior to D.C. trip. So here, here's the bottom line. Um, Alaska National Guards asked, the National Guards asked across the country if they want to serve uh, during the inauguration. Um, it's just a way, again, obviously protection measures, so forth and so on. And, and so that happens every year. Now, what is changed this year is what happened during, uh, the, the actual March when, when a lot of people were unhappy with how the election went, when it, there was frustration, they didn't feel like they were being heard. They didn't feel like the legislation and the representatives were hearing them and, and calling for more, uh, well, lack of a better term to look and research into how this election was won, so forth. So you have a lot of that built up frustration. And then of course they march in DC, President Trump has a rally uh, talking about this, encouraging them to do peaceful protesting. And then the US Capitol is invaded, okay? For lack of a better term, you have people going into uh, various rooms. It, it, was, it was a bit of a mess. And so because of that, now we have this sort of purity test that was done uh, for National Guard members who are coming to D.C. to uh, work the inauguration. Again, as you stated, there's about three times as many, I believe, National Guardsmen that are going to be there. So there's a purity test that was given out ahead of time. And uh, 
it's actually really disconcerting as to why this would happen. And there's a couple reasons. Uh, I want to also do a plug for Craig Campbell's piece that he wrote as a follow-up to this. It's called Craig Campbell, and it's, it's a nation in crisis. He is uh, a high-ranking member in the National Guard and was appalled at the FBI asking for National Guardsmen to do um, to have another background check to look into uh, their their maybe political ideology or their belief system to quote weed out any whiff of domestic extremism, i.e., right wing conservative Trump supporting MAGA uh, ideology that's out there. And and the reason this is disconcerting, and you could follow up on this as well. I'd love to hear your your take on this. Number one is. When you enter the military, you take an oath to defend the Constitution, okay? You take an oath to do that. And, and the fact that there's an additional step after that, particularly when you're already in service, is, is really um, troubling because it's just another step from other people around the country having to take another oath that they uh, level America. Or it, it can bleed out into even the the civilian sector as well so it's really troubling this that this happened so we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of that already in the civilian world i i um i was contacted by somebody in alaska who has who works for a company that she's worked for for a number of years and they have military contracts and she has been active on social media as a supporter of donald trump and she lost her job over it. Mm. And this would just happen last week. So they're going through and scrubbing people who they feel are, you know, maybe supporters of Donald Trump, like he's some sort of war criminal. I don't know what's happened to people's minds, but they've lost their ever loving minds. And to have the National Guard, I mean, you've got, you have these guys who've already taken their oath to defend our constitution and defend our country. And then what I learned in doing the story is that these guardsmen, they were not told that their backgrounds were being looked into. Mm. They were just the, the FBI just went ahead and did this background check on them. They were never told. So what they in in late November, December, they all got this email from the Alaska National Guard. Do you want to go to DC and be part of the detail? This was before anybody knew all of sort of the events that were going to ensue. And so about 80 of the National Guardsmen volunteered to go. And many of those were assigned. They did not know that after they volunteered, there was a background check done on them to see if they were Americans. Now, you remember, no, you don't. Of course, you don't remember. In World War II, we had a number of Japanese Americans who enlisted. It was the 441, I think. And they, uh, they were assigned to Italy. And they fought their way across Italy. And they died in droves, you know, fighting the, the Germans. They were very heroic, but it was interesting because the U.S. military would not send them to the Pacific Theater because they did not think that they would be loyal Americans once they were in the Pacific. This is a little bit like that. We want to know if you're going to be a loyal American. And I don't know, I guess if I was in the Guard, I'd, I guess I'd find it a little offensive. I know Craig Campbell, who's our former adjunct general in Alaska's National Guard, he found it a little bit offensive. And you could read all about, like you said, in his column in today's Must Read Alaska. Well, it's definitely, listen, it's just another symptom of a, a more systemic problem. I mean, we're seeing it on social media, conservatives being deplatformed or actually excommunicated from these sites, sure. uh, whether it's, and now Parler, who who is professed to be just a free speech uh, platform, can't even, I mean, they're being deplatformed 
by by being taken off the internet period by their even their server hosts oh, which heck, happened their, to be their, their, C, their ceo has gone into hiding because his family's been threatened yeah i mean and listen uh i could tell you that even locally this is happening i'm not going to give names right now but i yeah. know of local politicians who who have been threatened by the other side and i'm talking about the left uh through social media and those people Absolutely. are not being it's it's astounding right now so Again, this is really a key component to the next four years. Where is free speech happening? What, what is going on with that? What is going on with the ability to have um, the government defend your First Amendment right? And, and even more so, is there going to be a natural reactive uh, sort, sort of a, a mechanism that happens to this where people are just going to start to deplatform themselves and get away from social media. Oh heck, we already, we've already, yeah, we've already done that. We we took down a whole bunch of stories off of social media about Donald Trump and about the protests because we were worried that Must Read Alaska would be deplatformed. And quite honestly, it's too important that we stay, you know, standing upright, not get deplatformed just because we've we've got coverage. We had but, coverage from people who were there at the protest. Yeah. And you know, after the after the protest is all over, we had a couple of calls from people saying, "Hey, if you don't mind, maybe you better take my picture." down because i'm afraid i'm now going to be hunted but isn't that i mean this is what we're talking about we're, yep. we're a news site and we're providing news again we do a conservative conservative slant at times but this is absolutely absurd i mean the fact that we have to as a news site take down news that we're mm -hmm. getting from firsthand is is it's beyond reprehensible it's an outrage. I never thought I'd live to see the day. Hey, before we go, I want to know what is going on with the Anchorage Assembly, because I know you are watching that like a hawk and you'll probably be talking about that on the Wednesday show. But tell Absolutely. me what, what went on last week. Oh, man, uh, there's a lot going on. And, and I'll just keep this brief into some of the main points. But there's uh, for those of you uh, out there who are really interested in the Anchorage uh, municipality and news, there's a lot going on. And one of the biggest things that I found out of the Tuesday night assembly meeting which happened uh, almost a week ago was a, a few things the number one is when crystal kennedy a representative from eagle river uh asked a real point blank question and that question was this what percentage of the population needs to be vaccinated for the department the anchorage department of health to start backing down on their recommendations uh in terms of executive orders in, in, in their stewardship with the current uh, uh, acting mayor, what percentage of the population needs to be vaccinated so that they can start eliminating some of those executive orders, um, emergency orders, excuse me. And and they came out with a number and, and the number is between 60 and 70% of the population here in Anchorage or the Anchorage municipality need to be vaccinated for them to feel comfortable to start pulling back emergency orders. And, and to me, this is, a, this is a total, and we talked about this, a total move of the goalpost. If you can remember, it feels like ages, it feels like 10 years ago, back in April and May, it started out with, hey, just wash your hands. When you sneeze, sneeze into your arm. Hey, make sure that you're cleaning your facilities. I, I remember this. Then it went to, hey, we just need to start flattening this curve. It's you know a couple weeks, we're just gonna have a lockdown, a reset was the key word. We're going to have a reset and, and we're going to be okay. We're in January and now the goalpost is 60 to 70% of the population needs to take this vaccine. This has gone so far off the rails as, as just as a citizen, this has gone so far off the rails 
it, in the recommendations and things that are coming down the pike, I'm really concerned that this is going to continue to elongate. The yeah. other thing, obviously, we could talk about, I'm sorry, uh, the, the other thing we could talk about also aligns with that, which is the, the, um, the actual renewal and push out for 90 days. The assembly decided to, uh, I don't even know what to call it right now, Suzanne, help me out well, here. What they, well, what they did is they extended the mayor's emergency extended. power. Yeah. So they extended it into April. So basically, we have an, a, a mayor that is... She's an acting mayor. She wasn't elected by the general. She would never have gone into office as, as a mayor if she'd stood for election with the general public. But she was elected as an assemblywoman for her district with a you know, couple thousand votes. So like a couple thousand people in Anchorage have voted for her, maybe 2,000, uh, 2,100 or something. And yet she is our mayor and she has executive authority over all of us. That's 40% of the population of the state is being governed by an unelected you know, an empress, essentially. And she has uh, emergency powers, which give her the authority to just about do anything. And so she's got that extended all the way into April. And that means, yeah, they're going to keep, you know, the, that, the vaccinations, I'm all, I'm all about that. That's great. Let's get the vaccinations going. But we have killed the small business community mm. in the meantime. And we've talked about that yeah. sort of ad nauseum. And our, our listeners know that, that Anchorage, is in, uh, Anchorage is dying. Anchorage is in big trouble. Well, I just want to let you, you know, you make a great point. It was an extension, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that they tried to do in this assembly meeting. And listen, if you're listening to this podcast, be wise to this. They extended 90 days, the declaration of an emergency. But with that comes the emergency orders. Now, what they tried to do is separate the two and saying, oh, no, 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 no. We're just extending the declaration of emergency. We're not extending the declaration or the emergency orders. The problem is that they both go hand in hand. And in this administration, when it was the Berkowitz administration and now the acting mayor, both have shown that with the power, the extension of the emergency declaration will come more enforcement of emergency orders. So don't get it twisted. I, I want to make sure that the, the people know you're, the, the Anchorage Assembly is trying to distance themselves because they know there's negative and forceful public pushback. And so they're trying to say, listen, we're just saying there's a there's an emergency here. We're not saying what the order should be, the emergency order should be. We're just identifying an emergency. Well, let's not be stupid about this. They know exactly what they're doing by extending this declaration of an emergency. Sure. They know that they are providing the acting mayor, Austin Quinn Davidson, with more power for the next 90 days. And, and I think they're they're trying to do a bait and switch here. And I want the public to be wise to that. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, Scott, before we go, um, I know that we've got to, we want to remind people about the show on Wednesday, that your Wednesday podcast. And I know you, you took last week off, but this Wednesday, you can't take this Wednesday off, by the way. There is no. so much going on. Mm -hmm. And so um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this Wednesday, we're going to have a podcast. I had some family stuff I had to deal with, but uh, I'm ready to kick off 2021 and start really getting into the meat of things. We're going to be talking about a lot of local issues here in Alaska. We're going to talk a little bit, a bit about the inauguration and, and what that looks like for Alaskans uh, moving forward and maybe some of the concerns that you have and just really diving deep into the local issues. Listen, I could spend all of the time just talking about Anchorage or Alaska. Oh, yeah. We're not even talking national. Yeah, right, right, right. And hopefully by then you'll you'll have a couple of our Club MRAC newsletters, legislative newsletters under your belt, and you'll have some things to talk about there Absolutely. too. Absolutely. So that's a wrap for today's show. And I want everybody to please 
go ahead and check out all the stories at mustreadalaska.com. And thank you, Scott Levesque, for filling in today. It was great working with you. It was a lot of fun to do the show with you today. If you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. It makes all of this possible and for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. And if you'd like to support the conservative side of the news, well, hit the donate button at mustreadalaska.com. Your support allows this project to stay strong, independent, thoughtful, and most of all, just we, we just balance out that big activist liberal media out there. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska.